1: Lord. patrick are you having a great day
2: i am having a great day
1: (laughs) that's so good can you say why on the pod
2: um (laughs) no
1: oh man welcome to the crunch the only podcast that it's his last day in tulsa it's your boy ethan
2: and I'm Patrick. Wow. Yeah. Your last day in Tulsa, huh?
1: It's my last full day in Tulsa. Like my gotcha. last day waking up and falling asleep here. You're leaving tomorrow. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy. My life over the next month is nuts. Let me walk you through it real quick. I love that Crunch Mug. Why don't I have one of those? I need to send it's, you one. It's blue on the inside and it's got. A, oh, it's
2: oh, it's that's so cool. nice. It's so nice. Yeah. I want a
1: cool mug.
2: I I still don't understand why we podcast. haven't put them on the store yet. I still don't understand why we haven't done it.
1: Yeah, just uh, you don't even put it on the store. You can, uh it can be. Oh, the own.
2: reason is because mugs are stupid expensive. That's what it is. Because I, oh, I need to I need to buy the mugs. Yeah. So I need to like put my money up and like pay for the mugs and then hope we turn a profit on them. And I don't want to do that because I'm. You know who for
1: distributes mugs at a low low cost? Who's that? Cuisinart. Call them really. Up. I uh, well maybe I hope so. I don't I, think I, so. I bet that Cuisinart has a mug line.
2: I'm sure they do, but I'm sure they distribute it to like Walmart in like right. by the million. Yeah, so we could yeah. just
1: we could just supplant Walmart. How it'll many be, mugs do you think there are? It'll be easy. We'll do it in a weekend. Um how many how many mugs do you think there are? Yeah. At least
2: well, let's take the population of the Western right. well, world. Well, how
1: many mugs do you have in your house?
2: How many mugs do I have in my house? Yeah. Quite a few. So I have the four that came together as a set, and then I have maybe like six others.
1: I would say that I have about 12.
2: Yeah, why do we have this many mugs?
1: Because you have guests, and everybody that's likes That's true, coffee. but
2: like who drinks coffee at my house? Well, I guess that's fair.
1: Anyway, I think if you do approximately 12 mugs per person on the planet, plus maybe an extra 10 mugs for all the ones that are just kind of out there that no <laughs> one's using per person, I think we could say conservatively there's about 25 mugs per person. Um, And so Mm. what's 8 billion times 25?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's 200 billion. Ethan, it's eight times twenty-five. Four twenty-five is one hundred. That's two hundred billion. Hold on, Hold on. The Ethan. IPhone? You studied engineering.
1: The iPhone doesn't do billion when it's racing vertical, so I got to. You don't have to do
2: billion. You just have to five. multiply twenty-five by eight.
1: So it appears like it's here that it's two hundred billion bucks. I'm really glad you figured that out.
2: I'm really <laughs> Thank glad you. you got there. I'm really appreciative. <laughs> uh, so my mom is like a mental math genius, and whenever I'm like,
0: uh-huh. "Oh,
2: what's like twelve percent?" of 23 and she's like duh Patrick come on you just move the decimal and you do this thing and then you, you you do a tribal dance and then you got it it's easy I'm good Patrick. at some
1: mental math I'm not good at other mental math yeah, I'm me... like
2: what's 25% of 40 and she's like oh come on you can do that I'm like no I can't mom I'm not a genius okay I can't be both a saint and a mathematician like you apparently um my mom's great
1: <laughs> so tomorrow I'm leaving uh to go to Manhattan sorry yeah you go to Manhattan for three days for uh-huh. our team off-site. Kind of the last thing that you do in a semester as a focus team is you review the year, what went well, what didn't go well. Uh, let's talk about God and stuff. And so typically you do it in a place that's not where your campus is. So my team has never been to Manhattan with me. So they were like, hey, let's go to Manhattan because that will be a fun way for you to end your time and focus, like a bookend uh-huh. kind of thing. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to Manhattan tomorrow. Come back on Sunday. Spend the night here on Sunday. I leave Monday morning at 8 a.m. to fly to South Dakota.
2: Ooh, flight. You love to flight.
1: For Go Forth uh, Retreat Week slash send-off for all missionaries that are departing staff. It's a really cool thing that they do to help you transition from apostolic mission on a college campus to apostolic mission in the world because the college campus is fake. It's not a real place.
2: That's absolutely correct, yeah.
1: The sooner that we get to recognizing that college is like this weird, fake not- world non real life thing. It's just such a straight, like so, I, I've been around it for seven years now and it's so weird. Like, you know what I the
2: best thing that, ever, you know, the best thing anyone ever did for me was my, the, uh, the tour guide when mm-hmm. I toured the Catholic university of America he like referred to people leaving high school and going to the real world. And he was like, well, I shouldn't say real world because college is fake world. And like, I remembered him saying that. And I Mm -hmm. took that with me and I understood it throughout all of college. And that was such an important thing that he said. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) College is not, not a real society. Like it's a society, but it's a dysfunctional one. Like it's It's so weird. Yeah. It's it's like you're both
2: simultaneously an adult and a child, like both functionally and you're treated that way. Yes. You know, like, uh, Never mind. <laughs> hey, can my friend stay over? Yes, you have to fill out this form. Um, <laughs> but also, hey, can I have breakfast? Sorry, it's seven thirty, and the cafeteria opens at noon. <laughs> but
1: but then you go, and it's dinner time, and you're like, "Can I have cereal?" And they're like, "Sure, we don't sure care. you can have whatever you want."
2: So yeah, eat whatever it's you like, want. We're not your boss, except we are.
1: Except we are, and in, in the areas that we that we like to control. Yes.
2: Can I please park in front of my house? No, no, you can't. That's for staff. Um, they can park in the student parking. That's fine. You cannot park in the staff parking.
1: What about this? What about this spot right next to, like, the door that I could get in? Oh, that's for that's for the handicapped. What, imagine if every house had to have that's a handicapped That's just a spot. normal
2: rule, though. But I every house,
1: fair. like, every domicile doesn't have to have...
2: <laughs> yeah, apartments <laughs> have know? to have handicapped parking.
1: But houses don't.
2: Yeah, but, like... Very, like, only a couple people Explain live in that house.
1: Explain to me. I, I, I handicap I'm, parking
2: at a house, Ethan, is a handicapped person lives at that house.
1: Patrick, let me tell you this. I'm in favor of the ADA. I think uh-huh. re- redesigning. I do like
2: assistant district attorneys. What are you talking about?
1: I think redesigning the, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act, you fool. Um,
2: <laughs> I think. Listen, redesi- I've been watching a lot of law movies.
1: Redesigning buildings so that people with disabilities can access everything that they need, I think, is a good thing. But. <laughs> if there's a handicapped spot you can't say
2: but after that yes i can because no, listen can't. to my
1: listen to my point patrick fine if there's if there's a staircase on the side of my dormitory and there's a handicapped parking spot right next to the staircase i think that's ridiculous no yeah. one with a wheelchair is going up that staircase you're right so let me park there you're right go in the, you know what you're i mean right. yes it's those kinds of things that drive yes. me up the wall um or drive like up the stairs. <laughs> exactly. If only we could drive them up the stairs. What what have we been doing?
2: I do think I do think Franciscan. Franciscan, uh, the Lululemon Lounge, the Lululemon mm-hmm. Lobby that you mm-hmm. you know, um, the Louis Liz has like a gigantic staircase right next to the building. Yeah. But I don't think there's any handicap parking right next to the staircase. I think that would be weird. I think yeah. all the handicap parking is you can actually get to it. It's like a hill. Anyway. Anyway. So, so- yeah, I don't think Franciscan has that. But it did always bug me that like visitors could park in student parking, but students couldn't park in visitor parking. <laughs> And whenever there was a conference, which was every other weekend, Mm -hmm. um, there
1: was no parking on campus. Anytime anyone famous comes to speak at Steubenville, you guys must have just had the worst time.
2: Yeah. Which is weird because like all the famous people live in Steubenville now. All the famous Catholics live in Steubenville now.
1: You, me, (laughs) Matt. So I was,
2: so I was on a, I was on a, I maybe shouldn't say, I was referred to again. I was referred to as a celebrity today, which is not something, which is not something that's happened to me, uh, since, uh, conferences existed and SLS 20. um, Yeah. It was actually really, it was it was really funny because like I set up a meeting with someone and they like just happened to listen to the podcast and I was late to the meeting. Right. Okay? And I was mm-hmm. like, what a first impression I'm making. But thank goodness for the podcast because they already had a bad first impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that meeting was just a couple of minutes ago. So if they happen to be listening to this, they understand the timeline of when I recorded this. Indeed. I want to add Easter eggs.
1: That's what we should do. If you're on a every week, we're gonna on Patreon, we're just gonna post a word, and if you're subscribed to Patreon, then we say that <laughs> word. You're gonna be like, "Oh, I know that word from the Patreon." It's like the mo- the easiest <laughs> Easter egg that we could ever do.
2: <laughs> That's a dumb Easter egg. Uh,
1: oh, after yeah. after the focus retreat, I'm coming back to Tulsa, <laughs> and then I'm I am driving to Kansas City for my brother's graduation on the 15th. Shout out Ryan, graduating from high school at a boy. You really did it.
2: If you didn't have a young, if you didn't have Ryan, you wouldn't have a younger brother. Youngest brother.
1: Side note, um, I love this time of year because everyone gets super sentimental.
2: I was uh, as we go. That literally,
1: on. yes. I was. I was packing up part of my room so that when Emma left this weekend, she could take some stuff with her to Oklahoma City. And I was, uh, I was playing that song, and as like a joke because I was just like putting my books into a box or whatever, <laughs> you know. And she comes in and she hears me like listening to this song. She goes. Are you sad? I was like, uh-huh. no, no, Emma, I'm not sad. This is a bit. <laughs> is a bit.
2: <laughs> I remember the first time I heard that song, I was in like second grade. Okay. Yeah. And there was like the eighth grade graduation at our school. Um, That's a thing at private schools. And mm-hmm. uh, they were playing that song. And I remember thinking, I was like, this isn't needlessly sad. Like this yeah. is purposefully sad. They're yes. trying to make you cry. Yeah.
1: This Vitamin is like, C wrote that song to get a whole generation to, to weep because they thought that they were never going to see their eighth grade best friend ever again. Ever again. And then because, they saw them like the next day because you're in eighth grade and you don't have a job. You don't like, have a job. <laughs> you just you, just you still out. live
2: in the same neighborhood. So like that's how school zoning works. Yeah. You're going to see each other next year. <laughs> right.
1: As we go. <laughs> like where are you going? You're 14. Where are you also, going?
2: Also, That's just Bell's canon. Yeah. It's just Bell's Canon.
1: I think that song, I'm going to sing it. I'm going to sing it a lot during my brother's graduate in the car on the <laughs> way there during the valedictorian speech, just the whole, as much as I can sing it, I'm going to sing it. I want everyone to to know that we're going on and we're remembering all the times that we've had together. We will and still be friends forever. And we're going to be friends forever. Uh, then I'm in, I'm in Kansas for a couple days. I'm in Nebraska for a couple days. I'm going to be back in Kansas for a couple days and I'm coming back to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: Ethan's flyover tour.
1: It's Yes, if you're in any of <laughs> these states in the Midwest and you want to stop and have a meet and greet with me. <laughs> I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> in a roadside diner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, can, I can meet you in a McDonald's bathroom for five minutes. That's as much time as I can give you. Uh, you also have to be a patron. Uh, <laughs> that's, I recognize that that sounds... That sounds a lot worse than I meant it to sound. I was just thinking of places that I stop when I drive,
2: and it's the McDonald's
1: I'm so there's no coming back. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
2: I understand what you meant. You were I'm like, I'm gonna be pooping, so yeah. that's when I can talk. That's when Stall I'm all open. Who that's cares? That's when I'm not driving. Yeah, that's when I'm not driving. But but when you but say it out loud, like, like look, I got, I'm on the clock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be a patron that makes it so much worse <laughs> I'm so, how
1: about this anyone can come and meet me in the mcdonald's bathroom for free
2: <laughs> for a good time call yes 281 everyone what was our crunch number
1: <laughs> uh 785-251-3989 that's what it was um and then i move from tulsa to oklahoma city so
2: you're gonna cut that out right
1: i'm leaving that in that's hilarious oh
2: gosh okay <laughs> uh
1: Emma and I signed a lease for the house that we're going to live in when we're married. Nice. I'm going to live in it over the summer and then she's going to move in uh, when we're married, which is very exciting. Legally, since we've both signed this lease, I guess we're cohabitating, but we're never going to physically cohabitate, you know? Until you're married. Until we're married. I just want everyone (laughs) to know this. That's good. If if I talk about our house or the uh, the house that we have anytime over the next several months, it's not because we're living together. I'm very opposed. The statistics all say if you live together before you're married... Then you probably have met strangers in the McDonald's bathroom.
2: <laughs> I'm am actually writing an article about this for uh,
1: really about cohabitation.
2: Yeah. About cohabitation for a Catholic match, pretty sweet. Yeah, the, secu- the secular reasons why you shouldn't cohabitate. So it's not like Jesus said this, which is fine because Jesus is real smart. He's smarter than you, but um, big smart guy. Jesus never cohabitated with a woman, so
1: so that's kind of what's going up for me. Thanks for letting me share. It's gonna be a wild ride. Uh, we might have to reschedule podcast for next week. Don't really know what that's going to look like.
2: Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm in. Oh, I am now officially leaving my job. Yeah, um, it's that's out not there. that's not announced on the podcast, but that so like as I transition, I found my my went to my new office. We're very blessed here because my coworkers on this floor understand that I podcast at about this time every week, and they don't care that I scream. Um, but the walls are very thin. Mm. at my new job and mm. so i talked to my superior I was like hey i plan on podcasting here is that cool <laughs> he was like yeah that's fine um Pretty but good. i'm gonna have to buy paneling so uh if you want to fund the patrick remote studio that's patreon.com slash the crunch
1: we're really we're i love that you sell the patreon with like legitimate needs for the podcast and then i sell the patreon
2: walmart bathroom (laughs) mcdonald's bathroom
1: with some might call them illegitimate needs
2: Um, (laughs) illicit needs illicit needs Um, i'm also working on an article another article for america magazine it's in the editing phase it's about credit cards and minimum wage Mm. how are the two connected you'll have to wait and find out
1: i can't i'm very excited it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be good so are we so when are you when are you leaving this job and going to the next job
2: June first, my first day at uh, a parish near near my near my house. I'm my home. first
1: day at my new job is June first. <laughs> this is great, <laughs> work buddies. Work
2: buddies. <laughs> maybe
1: we could. Uh, maybe we take. You should like- set
2: up a podcasting studio in your office too. Uh, my plan is to get one of those. Um, one of those monitor arms, so that I can move my monitor away from me, so that I don't have to look at it all the time, and I can just use my desk as a desk.
1: My my new boss came to me and said, Hey, what kind of equipment should we get for a podcast studio for the office? <laughs> I'm I am not joking. Yeah, I have a dream job. I'm so excited.
2: Gosh, I need to move to Oklahoma now.
1: Move to Oklahoma. Oh man. Come sell Why real. Why does he want to make me? a podcast
2: studio for the office?
1: Well, he already does a podcast. Oh, okay. Um and it's just like the I don't know when I'm gonna talk everything about what my job is, but the The people that I work with are very involved in the diocese, the archdiocese of Oklahoma City. Yeah, just as far as uh, getting missionaries to move to the city and getting lots of ministry things going. Mm-hmm. Um, James, my boss, has a podcast already. That's how I met him. Was I went onto that podcast?
2: Gotcha.
1: I have a podcast. And then there's That's true. there's here. a couple of other people just like through the archdiocese and through lots of other people. There is a legitimate need for a space that lots of people can come into and use as a podcasting slash recording slash cool video space. Um, and my boss is just very committed to providing that service to people. So we're basically just going to invest some some of the company's money. Can I fly out and help s- you build
2: it? I'm so excited. I want this to exist somewhere.
1: <laughs> I know there's a there's a, a media guy who works for the diocese who's setting it all up. So oh nice. He's he like, what mics should we get? And I was like, I googled what mics do Joe Rogan use, and then said <laughs> so he dudes. uses
2: hi- Heil mics. I think right. I think they're or, sure, 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 Yeah.
1: sure. So we, uh, yeah, it's gonna be pretty sweet. So I, should we take like a break <laughs> at some point? Like like a when I'm moving. Or like, because I don't know when my Wi Fi is gonna get set up. It might be beneficial. I don't know yet, though.
2: We could also. Do you want to? You can't record tomorrow because you are leaving. <laughs> I cannot record tomorrow because. Um, yeah. we'll fi- We'll figure something we'll out. We'll figure
1: something out. Just letting everyone know on the pod that the next three weeks might be a little bit.
2: Uh, yeah, at least
1: for fine. me, because I am moving cities, jobs, and.
2: I've podcasted from hotel rooms before.
1: I should. I am gonna rent a hotel room just to record a cast.
2: That's. okay speaking of oldies but goodies oldies but baddies let's take a trip to the hot take Take time time machine
1: the hot tip tip machine
2: welcome to the hot tip take machine um the part of the show where we take a look back at the prime of our social media posting lives if we don't get a sponsor of this segment in the next seven weeks we're canceling it we're getting rid of Uh, the segment (laughs) ethan (laughs) do you have a hot take for us
1: yes but i have to edit this oh gosh this is uh this is very relatable this is from May 9th, 2016. I'm sure Patrick, you're going to be able to relate to this. This is I'm something so excited. that all all men and women, uh, mostly just men, uh are, are super like they'll get this for sure. It's May 9th, okay. 2016. Apostle says, "Are you ever kneeling in mass and your butt starts to itch, but you're sitting in front of nice women and you can't scratch it?" Ha ha, me either. <laughs> me either me either i don't i definitely that definitely didn't happen to me and then i tweeted it
2: that was a good 2016 joke that that's was very some, 2016 that the was a very 2016 either. twitter i hate that i'm a connoisseur of what kinds of jokes were popular on twitter in different years like uh you know when when 20 to 30 feral hogs have itchy butts in mass you know totally so, <laughs> so 2018
1: <laughs> that's the tea Kermit, That's the f- Kermit the Frog.
2: Kermit the Frog. Frog. <laughs> Kerm- Kermit the Frog.
1: Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I think. Uh, let me tell you this. Let's talk for a second about. Let's go. Let's go. Let's take a, a full fuller trip back in the Hot Take Time Machine. Let's talk about weird stuff that happens to our bodies during the mass. Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> everyone's pants shift down when it's time for it, when the priest says pray brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be accepted." So everyone's like gets up push pulls up their pants and then they're ready to say the thing
1: really is that yeah. true
2: everybody does it i was Maybe thinking I'm about how i was
1: thinking about you know you know that i that i do this so sometimes i get hungry during mass so i eat the dead skin on the inside of my cheeks
2: oh gosh no <laughs> you don't <laughs> does that break
1: the fast patrick
2: that's a that's one of your tweets too isn't it <laughs> yeah 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 i remember i remember when you were like does eating an entire bottle of toothpaste break the fast asking for a friend or something that's along those
1: something things. like that that's pretty funny
2: that was pretty good and and then someone was like honestly engaging you in a real conversation yeah.
1: i know foolishness. foolishness you know something that i've noticed is that my knees have started to pop when i kneel on the kneeler
2: oh yeah i might have been doing that for years that's, so that's what's wrong with my knees dude that's because we we used uh we used to do the field house masses we would Uh, in the in the gymnasium at franciscan we would have mass and they just roll out a thin piece of paper across the basketball court can you imagine kneeling on a basketball court for 15 minutes
1: yes i've done it
2: oh i too have been to can you imagine there was no room on the bench
1: can can you imagine (laughs) kneeling on a concrete conference room floor for oh yeah 45 minutes you know seek conferences there I think my I think I just squatted too much back when I used to squat, and now my knees just protest every time I do anything that involves bending. Yeah, you gotta um, you
2: gotta you got you So your your muscles develop faster than your joints. So if you're going to lift, you either have to tape yourself up, or you have to um, like do calisthenics to make sure that your joints are developing as fast as your muscles are.
1: Nobody talks about the joints. Everybody is always like muscles, burning fat, calories. Yeah. Which is why I don't creatine. take advice
2: from. Which is why I don't take advice from young bodybuilders. I only take advice from old bodybuilders because they obviously know what they're talking about.
1: <laughs> so guys like Father Anthony.
2: Like yeah, Father Anthony and uh, Father Mike and uh, <laughs> no, I met old. this guy he's at old. the gym. His name was Dave or maybe his name was Pat. I don't know, but he was this you know six year old guy and he was jacked, and he was like, "Here's how you do a proper tricep curl," and I was like, "I trust you." Because you obviously know what you're talking about. I trust you with everything. Because
1: Remember back you... in the day when we used to trust people just because they were old?
2: I didn't trust him because he was old. I trusted him because he was old and jacked.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, but there's, I mean, there's, you know what I mean. Are
2: you setting up a joke? Yes, no. I do. How trust did they? <laughs> they didn't trust at all.
1: I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. I was just trying to make a comment about how the youth of this day do not respect the elderly. That's yeah. all.
2: Well, the elderly have done quite a few things.
1: Patrick is fighting back against the culture war by talking to an old jacked guy at the gym. Yes, That's the. I am. You're making progress, real strides. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this.
2: I, uh, I, I'm the reason why young people don't trust old people anymore is because randomly in meetings, my coworkers say things like, well, that's because we, we've babysat when we were, we were talking about babysitting and like hiring, uh, teenagers to babysit. Uh-huh. And they were like, we used to babysit when we were 12. It's like, yeah, that's because we were much more mature than 12 year olds these days. And we weren't so entitled. And I was like, me and TJ, me and my, me and my, my coworkers, my, age, like we looked at each other and I was like okay well
1: we're gonna just let's move on from she's that
2: gonna one. move on she's gonna not talk i'm gonna keep my head down get promoted and then i'm gonna lash out um, any hot takes for us pat yeah i got some hot takes this this hot take comes from a listener thank you listener anonymous listener Woo! from april 28th 2016 <laughs> um that feeling you get as you're halfway through power writing an essay at 1am to debunk the philosophy of angry radical feminists They did some pretty legit things, but also some pretty questionable things. As a, quote, liberated, this is a Facebook post, as a, quote, liberated woman, I appreciate the results of their work by the fact that nothing would be particularly notable about my hypothetical choice to attend law school. However, wait, so I guess she's not going to law school yet. Hypothetical choice to attend law school. However, those same feminists would vigorously shame me if four or five years after passing the bar, I chose to stay home and raise children. What if it was a life goal of mine to someday be the mother of four? Who could casually bring up Everson versus the Board of Education and the Township of Ewing uh, in a conversation about First Amendment jurisprudence? 19 likes, two comments. (laughs) (laughs) I think Um,
1: jurisprudence is something we need more of. I think we need more
2: jurisprudence. I think we need more juris wisdom. I think we need more juris fortitude. I think we need Mm -hmm. more juris courage. Mm -hmm. Fortitude and
1: and courage are the same virtue, Patrick.
2: Um, so prudence and wisdom. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. What did you miss? Prudence justice. Ju- juris justice. Juris justice. justice. Juris <laughs> justice. We need juris justice. Juris courage. Juris prudence. And juris temperance. <laughs> who, the who,
1: who the heck is juris? How come he gets
2: all these virtues? <laughs> yeah, I don't know who juris is, but he sounds great. I love it. Uh,
1: I don't really know how to react to that. Like, I, I just agree with it. Like, I just, yeah, I mean, she's right. She's not wrong. As an empowered woman myself, I <laughs> I do have... Some of my students uh, slash my teammates have been talking about the whole empower women thing. Mm-hmm. Empowered women empower women mm-hmm. uh, kind of a thing. There's a lot of buttons that say that. Mm-hmm. Um, my teammate, Emily, has taken to start saying up with the patriarchy and please don't empower me. Uh, be, but she's not like opposed to yeah. those kinds of things. It's just that she's really trying to like... Because a lot of the, some of the Catholic women that are involved at our student center are just kind of like locked into that mindset of like, oh, anything that empowers women is always good. But it, the, the question has to be, what are we empowering women to be? Are we empowering women to be more like men? Is that really empowerment? And then we eventually, the conversation was so funny because eventually it looped back and then someone was like, huh, I guess we have to really empower men don't we <laughs> no <laughs> stop no stop don't do that. Go <laughs> <a> <laughs>
2: reverse 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 um yeah i think are we empowering women or are we are we reinforcing the uh the idea the, that women have to change to be useful yeah or the idea that like career is the reason for your existence you know the reason your for the season reason for the season yeah i i think like I don't think she's wrong. I I do think that there's um she brings up an interesting point. It's like would people who, you know, are like, "Wow, you're such a you're such a powerful woman for wanting to attend law school." They would, you know, they would be like, "Oh, it's a, such a shame that she decided to stay home." Mm-hmm. You know, and raise her kids. Um yeah, it's like that's not a that's not a welcome choice. Or like people people commenting on on women's, you know, um Instagram posts when they have like 11 kids, like, "Oh my gosh, like you have 11 kids." That's, that sucks. Hey honey sorry it's okay. you may not have known this we're actually supporting women now It's okay you didn't know but we're from it's this right. point on it's a new thing new, new thing, thing that we're doing new thing we're doing
1: supporting women regardless of their choices which is kind of crazy.
2: I know it's crazy it's like it's like um it's like they're people that have agency and uh, yeah. that is
1: that that really is the thing that just drives me we're gonna be talking about this a little bit mm-hmm. in our topic.
2: Oh 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 you just come with a topic now huh no topics for Patrick. Patrick, no, it's fine. I didn't have one. Go on.
1: I figured you did have one. Oh, I do. I thought we were going to talk about the one from the Facebook group.
2: What one from the Facebook group? Oh, yeah, we are. maybe we are. Maybe okay. we
1: aren't. <laughs> it's just, it's all about people and about understanding what a person is. And just people don't understand what a person is. Like, a woman is not this entity that it, that is just like, oh, as long as this entity uh, achieves these actions then that means that it is a good entity, you know, like it's kind of a weird, like as long as you do this, this and this, you're an empowered woman. I love the idea of doing...
2: entity. That's so true. That's so <laughs> yeah. funny. It's like, cause we, we have, we have all these separated protective classes, protected uh-huh. classes. And it's like, this is important. like in the ADA. Yeah. And we protect them for good reason. It's like, because yes. they are, they are discriminated against or they have certain disabilities that prohibit them from doing things they may want to do otherwise. And like, it is just for us to, I think, I think disability is, this is, this is one of the issues that I have with the intersectionality is that it doesn't, it doesn't look at the taxonomy of each of these were different realities, right? Intersectionality Mm -hmm. is important, but you have to understand that like disability is different from race. Oh, gender is different from sexual orientation. Like these things are different.
1: Right, but then we and, list all of them off in the same sentence because they're yes. all a part of that same law and it's just like they're all kind of grouped together. It's like these uh-huh. are distinct classes of things that have to be protected.
2: And it kind it's of just, reinforces the yeah. idea that straight, white, able male is the norm.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Is it, it does reinforce the idea that that is normal and it's like... It, Here's it, all it, the
1: different things that we have to make sure that we watch out for. It's yeah. like, well, no. What if there was a law that said... Protect the people.
2: I think there is a law that says protect people. And then Man. there were then they, they made that and then they were like, crap, we gotta amend this like twenty twenty nine times.
1: <laughs> we forgot to mention those people.
2: <laughs> That's American history. We have to protect the people. Oh, we
1: forgot oh, about those. those
2: people. Forget. <laughs>
0: oh those. we forgot. We, we the for-
1: people, in order to form a more perfect union. Not those people. Nope. And then the guys that came after that was like, oh,
2: but what about those people? Those people. We should do those
1: people. That's that is that is the story the story of America is, but what about those people?
2: What about those guys? What about those guys? What, <laughs> what are they, are they doing to? over there? <laughs> so yeah, like the, that, that's kind of encapsulated in her hot take time machine where it's like yeah. I appreciate the things that, you know, feminism did. Like voting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was important. Um but it's, it doesn't, yes, let's, let's move into the topic now because I want to continue talking about what you said about recognizing what a person is.
1: Yes. Welcome to the topic. Somebody on our Facebook group.
2: Hold on. <laughs> 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 did you just right. dab? About I did. Hot take, I still,
1: shit. I still dab every time. Oh, I see me these. too. I love it. Oh, it's and so everyone, great. everyone, and everyone does that. They go, did you just dab? And I say, yes. Yes. You wouldn't have you would have noticed anything about me if I had just sneezed normally, you'd be like, Bless you, mm-hmm. and then you would have moved on. But instead of you saying bless you because you feel obligated to, you don't actually want to bless me, you just say it because you think it's socially acceptable. I hate the I hate when people just say bless you even when you're not like you shouldn't be saying it, you know? Like if we're in mass and someone sneezes, please don't turn around as the priest is praying the Eucharistic prayer and tell me, bless you.
2: Like it's our only communal liturgy. Okay. It's the only, it's the only only tradition that we all still hold. That's pretty funny. I thought you meant like, don't say bless you when people don't sneeze, which I do. When Phoebe burps in the other room, I go, bless bless you. you. (laughs) It's very funny. And then occasionally we do this thing where one of us sneezes and we say, God bless you. And God bless
1: Bless America. America. Patrick just stood up and took off his headphones and put it over his heart, like a baseball cap. Yeah. Uh, the Facebook group is popping off lately. Facebook.com slash groups slash The Crunchcast. You are missing it. Ben Eastman compiled a list of all of the books that we've mentioned on the podcast since the rebrand and put them in a Facebook comment. And it's amazing. That's impressive. That's it's so-, so amazing. I can't believe anybody. It's like it used to be that we had to contact like a weird Catholic apostolate who had to contact a Japanese agency to go through all of our episodes. And now people are just doing it. For yeah, fun. And Ben has
2: already listened. Like He's he already been, listened. He's, he's been listening. He re-listened. That boy re-listened. I can't re-listen to podcasts like that.
1: No. Man. That's crazy. We've got people asking questions about social media. we got people asking dating questions. we got Pat posting for content. I asked people what books they read in high school. He had a, whole, a ton of responses, which was super cool. Like Everybody get on facebook.com slash groups slash the Crunchcast. The Crunch Podcast Facebook group. It is live. You want to be there. And somebody asked the question about if Patrick and I would talk about critical race theory. Because apparently, it's in the news these days. I don't yeah. really know. I don't really read the news. So, you'll have to inform me on as yeah, to why CRT everyone's talking like about it. CRT is
2: super mainstream now that it's an acronym. So, um, <laughs>
1: CRTs are the things that you play Smash Brothers on when you don't want lag from the HD conversion. Wait, what? <laughs> A CRT television. Oh, okay. Uh, it stands for
2: cathode ray tube
1: how'd you know that
2: i'm i'm a genius i can't tell i don't know what i'm don't tell you
1: (laughs) did you look it up
2: no Wow. I just remember what TVs were made of before they were flat.
1: Why is it why is everyone worried about cathode ray, cathode ray tube televisions? Why is everyone <laughs> consider, Why is it in the news all of a sudden? Why is it news? Imagine um, imagine having these old women coming to school board meetings and being like I don't want cathode ray tube televisions in my children's that's classrooms. That's right.
2: That's why it was in the news was because it's in it's being introduced into curriculum now. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So um critical race theory is essentially it's a school of thought that is a branch of critical theory. And critical theory has a long and complicated history as a framework to view human socio- sociology. Like human Can I behavior. just say,
1: real quick, Patrick knows a lot more about this than I do. So I'm going to try to frame my responses in terms of not just being like an average... Per- what an average Catholic person maybe might should think about this. And okay. Patrick is coming from a very knowledgeable standpoint. We're just trying to help people make sense of this because I know people who are teachers or who work in schools who are trying to have these conversations with their coworkers and their students. They don't even really know what the Catholic opinion should be. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I think we, as, as much as we can make this an every man kind of understanding uh, would be good, but please, you know, you know way more about about it than me. So yeah. So
2: critical race theory, again, a branch of critical theory and I'll go into critical theory in a second, but um, the, the books that I've read on it, include so you want to talk about race by ijeoma Uluo, um i'm pretty sure i got her name correct um ibram x kendi he wrote two books um one is incredibly dense but a very good book it's uh called stamped from the beginning and it's a history of racism in america from the 1600s to you know the 70s the 1970s and uh so it's like this huge 300 year history and then he also wrote how to be an anti-racist which is interesting an interesting book Um, It's very simple. It's very obvious this was more, like, popular so that it's easy to... And then he also wrote two books called Stamped, which is... Another book called Stamped, which is for high schoolers. And Mm -hmm. then there's another, The Anti-Racist Baby. So there's an anti-racism book. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. So it's like these ideas are being packaged for children. And that's where... That's probably where it starts to get a little dicey, right? Because it's like, okay, what are we teaching these kids Are we giving them a framework to look at the world that is helpful or is it unhelpful? And we'll get into that in a second. Another, another author that I've read, her name is Robin DiAngelo. Um, She wrote this book called white fragility. Um, If you want to be angry about critical race theory, read her book. Like if you want to use a straw man argument for what critical race theory is and be like, they just hate white people read her book because she is a, she is a white person um, who. She does, uh, race, racial sensitivity training for corporate workplaces. And then she wrote a book about it called white fragility. And, um, yeah, part, part of her, part of her book has some really strange, like some strange, like, uh, some strange claims. Like for instance, uh, white women crying about, uh, police violence against black men is a form of racism. What? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. 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 So essentially her idea is like, uh, these white women are not the primary person affected by these news stories. Uh-huh. Um, certainly the person who was killed is certainly the primary concern of the news. Story, but they, what they're doing is they're, they're focusing the attention on themselves by crying. Um, mm. I think that she's trying to read into someone's emotional response. And I don't think that you can necessarily make a blanket statement like that, but she makes statements like that. So
1: uh, 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 you're only allowed to have empathy with the people of your same race that's
2: yes precisely that's first
1: first rule i'm gonna what i'm gonna do from this podcast is i'm gonna read that book and then be really mad and then go <laughs> and start my own podcast and then get thousands and thousands of followers
2: so if you want if you want <laughs> if you want to like if you want to hate critical race theory read that book i'm saying that because don't do that obviously it's uh, it's very that. easy to like straw man like that anything yeah, yeah. and so Um, So you want to talk about race and how to be an anti-racist are a great way to kind of like understand what they're saying because they're written for the general public, but they're not trying to like, they're not, they're not like under the cover of a child, a children's book trying to give you these ideas. So they present these ideas to you and they let you critically engage them. I think Kendi is by far the best. Um, He's an academic. And so I speak that language and like the way he presents his ideas are very, very familiar to me and very Uh clearly, clearly put together yeah um he's also coming from a place of humility i have to say because he so he tells a story about um he he gave a speech when uh martin luther king jr memorial speech he gave a speech about how um how if martin luther king jr was alive today he'd be disappointed in the average black man Hmm. he gave that speech Mm -hmm. And he looks back on it and he's like, I gave that speech because I was blaming. I was I was I held a racist idea like that's what he was saying. He was like, I held a racist idea that the majority of black men were irresponsible and that they were responsible for their own misfortune in life. And so he's not coming from a place of like, I'm perfect and you need to change. He's coming from a place of like, we all hold racist ideas. And we need to work them out. And um, so, I think if you want to dip your toes into CRT, you should look into Candy. By far, he's the best, um, from what I've read. Now, when Good it to comes him. to when it comes to critical theory, critical theory is a Marxist idea. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, and like, yes. when I say Marxist, okay, I don't mean communist, okay. Yes,
1: we need to really let's let's just clear the air. Let's just when clear we use that terms. up. Because when people say things on the news or in articles or whatever, and they'll say something is Marxist or socialist or communist, those can all mean very different things based yes. on who's saying it and what they're referencing and what they're talking yes. about and whether or not they know what they're talking about. So when, when Patrick and I say Marxist, we mean specifically pertaining to just the ideas that Karl Marx wrote about. When he was proposing a different way that society should be structured yes. and proposing and the way a different way that he way. looked at things. In the, yes, exactly. And yes. the way and that Marx he thought that things should be. Yeah. Yes. We so could almost
2: say Marx ish. Marx ish. It's Marx ish. Yeah. Um, so on. Karl Marx viewed all of social ills through the lens of economic struggle. And that's how he viewed the French Revolution. Right. Right. That's the Marxist view of the French Revolution. Was Marx before or after the French
1: Revolution? After.
2: Okay, eighteen hundreds. I, f- I freaked out for a second. Um, yeah, so he viewed the French Revolution as a power struggle based on money, and so there's a Marxist way to look at the French Revolution. There's also a non-Marxist way to look at the French Revolution. So, like that's that's the way that this is sometimes used in other in other um, other disciplines. But the reason I say Marxist is it, Marx viewed only the he viewed social struggles only through the lens of economic struggle. Critical theory does something similar. Mm -hmm. They view social ills through the idea of power structures and power Mm -hmm. struggles. And so critical race theory views social ills through the lens of racial struggle. And so the reason why there's an immigration crisis at the border is because there's inherent racist structures that prevent brown-skinned people from immigrating into the United States. That is the reason, and we need to undo the racist ideas and the racist policies that create those. Um, Let now, me just say real quick: yeah, a sure. good
1: a good comparison that can maybe help the average person. We talked about the movie Arrival a couple weeks ago, but I cut all of it out, so I'm going to talk about it again. Okay. Um, <laughs> the 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 theme of that movie is is all about communication communication of ideas communication baby. Uh, it is all. It's all about.
2: Communication. <laughs> it's all about it.
1: So there's uh, the Americans, There's they're trying to communicate with these aliens. They're trying to give them words and phrases and ideas. Um, and there's a very interesting concept out there that relates to uh, how what language a person speaks and what language they think in relates to how they solve problems, um, which is and kind of and even to the point of uh, like the food that you eat. So I've heard a lot of people say like the reason that Western societies are different than Eastern societies is because we're based on wheat and they're based on rice and farming rice is very different than the way that we farm wheat and the English language and the Phoenician languages are very different than uh, Eastern languages, Mm -hmm. Chinese and Japanese and Korean. And so uh, and others. I don't I'm not an expert. I've just I've read some things about this. I think it's interesting. I don't really know if it's true or not, but I think it's interesting. Um, And there's a part in this movie where they're trying to communicate with the aliens and. Uh, the American point of view, they're trying to give them words and phrases so they can understand sentences and they're making it very personal. And they hear that the Chinese are have tried to help the aliens understand their language by using Mahjong tiles. Huh. Um, and so it's they've presented it to them as a, a game. And so we're going to give you this tile. and We're going to try to say it represents this thing. And the aliens will say this tile and it represents this thing. And the main character is like, you see how this is a problem. Because if you only present language and communication as a game, then there's always a winner, there's always a loser. you're always going to interpret it in terms of competition and conquest and power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this great line where it's like if you if all you give them a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. And so I think that's head. that's the a good way that I like to think about it is, we are we are basically with critical race theory and how you're talking about it, is like we're basically giving the American public just a giant hammer, um, and we're saying like this this is the tool that you have to understand the world. And then obviously, right when you come forward from that, everything looks like it relates to this problem and it needs to be smashed down with this hammer. But what we are proposing is that there are good ideas, right? Because at the root of what the Chinese were trying to do in that movie is they were trying to communicate truth to the aliens. Figure out why are you here? What do you want? How can we help you? Are you going to hurt us? All those kinds of things. But they communicated it in a way that they could only receive answers that were um, violent, <laughs> essentially. And yeah. so that that is kind of what uh, maybe an easier way for some people to think about it because when it's all up there in philosophy land, it's it's challenging. Um, but for me, that really puts it into a better, a better context to understand like, no, we want to actually give people a language of philosophy and anthropology ultimately Mm -hmm. that helps people understand things, not in terms of conflict between peoples and groups, but genuine communication. So,
2: yeah, I think that's a really good point because like the viewing things through the lens of race, there's always a dominant race. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: for the last, you know, X hundred years, that dominant race has been white people. But that's the thing is that like, if you, if you went back 300 years there's no such thing as a white race there's an english race they saw each other differently they saw each other as like germans or and they they had the the concept of race began right before the modern period they they were dividing they divided the europe into like different sections and you had the eastern europeans and you had the northern europeans and you had the you know the germans and like the southern europeans and the western europeans and they were like, "Oh well, Germans are more pragmatic, which makes them more. That makes them better at literature, and it makes them better at like nonfiction literature and sciences, and and the 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 Western Europeans are more romantic, so it makes them better at music and poetry." And it's like, those are racist ideas because they apply a racial, um, they apply a singular you know quality to an entire racial group. But like that's how that's that's one of the ways that racist um that race developed in the West was this idea of like different cultures. Anyway, the word race from what I remember from my course on the French revolution and the modern period and the emergence of the modern period afterwards was the idea of race popping up in about the 1800s. And um, now there was like, when, when you understand that people looked at different people differently, you know what I mean? Like how, how did it, it's it's helpful for us to look back. Okay. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um the the main problem that I see with critical race theory is that you're right it sees everything as a conflict, but it it also sees it as a conflict between unequals, not as a conflict between equals. It sees it as a conflict between unequals. I think is worse. Yeah. It sees it as for all of time, for all of time, from the beginning, stamped from the beginning. There has been mm-hmm. the white the, the dominant white race and minorities, mm. and. He even he even mentions like even within minority groups, even within like even within black skinned minority groups, like for instance, you know South Africans, not South Africans, South, South Africa's majority anyway, African people and like West Indian people, mm-hmm. they're both very dark skinned. But what he was talking about was a, a a dynamic that I wasn't aware of was that there's this there's this hierarchy where West Indian people look down on even though they have the same skin color in general they look down on uh, African American black people because they give them a bad name quote unquote like that's what he mm-hmm. that's what he mentioned in one of his books mm-hmm. and i was like that's an interesting point because it's like there seems to he's he's setting up this racial hierarchy yeah. that whether real or perceived is still important to bring up you know what like even if you disagree that this this racial hierarchy is is tried and tested at least he perceives it and many people who agree with him perceive this racial hierarchy so it's like what do we do about that racial hierarchy that's important but one of my problems with crt is that and i don't think Kendi believes this at all but it's applied retroactively okay in that you're taking ideas of african slave trade racism and antebellum racism and projecting it onto thomas aquinas yeah that's weird it's weird you know and like and like Uh, and projecting onto like medieval, what I mean is like medieval Europe in general, Mm -hmm. you know, the way they viewed Africa in medieval Mm -hmm. Europe was different than how we view Africa now and different from how the Romans viewed Africa. Right. Um, It's just, it's, it's kind of mind boggling because like in critical race theory, there's in critical theory in general, there is this, this idea that this idea of constant historical progress, And progress is achieved Mm -hmm. by overthrowing the previous order and replacing it with a new one, um, with a constant renewal, right? It's kind of an inversion of the Christian, of the Christian concept of like all time flowing back towards God. Like Christ came and like perfected the universe and the universe just kind of catching up with Christ's perfection of the universe, right? Like Christ came and perfected things by his death and resurrection, the finality Mm -hmm. of public revelation, and mm-hmm. we are working to match the world around us with that reality. Like the world has been made new and we're just trying to catch it up. Right. Yeah. Whereas critical theory it's is like critical theory is like everyone was racist and sexist and homophobic and ev- like in and they become better and better and better and better and better. We have a long we still have a lot of work to do. We still have a long yeah. way to go. Right. That's yeah. that's what that that idea comes from. And that's the um that's the liberal idea. Yes. So, like, my my main issue with critical with critical race theory is it's not post liberal enough. It's almost post liberal in that it recognizes the reality of the racial constructs in liberalism. Mm -hmm. The African slave trade didn't start until after Europe wasn't really Christian anymore. (laughs) Like, it really wasn't. We but the the narrative of critical theory needs us to believe that. Christian Europe was dark and unenlightened Mm -hmm. and evil and like because they were in the past. Yeah, they were in the past. And with the Enlightenment, you know, like slavery didn't exist before this. Like in the years leading up to the African slave trade, like it wasn't really a thing. People didn't own slaves. In they had serfs in in Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Europe, in Europe, like people didn't. There was no slave trade, and it wasn't just because they didn't know about America yet. It was because (laughs) the world was being perfected by the christian order it was like the france saw itself as like you know the new kingdom of israel trying to make it more like the kingdom of god right but which is
1: nuts if you just think about that like out loud if somebody said that if the president of france was like we're gonna make france more like israel (laughs) everyone's gonna be like what are you talking about king
2: louis king louis the ninth or was it louis the ninth yeah louis the ninth king louis the ninth was like he's like yeah i see myself as a new king david not in like a like a cataclysmic like yeah. I am the new King David, but it's like yeah, I yeah, see yeah. myself as a type of King David, renewing right. the per- the temporal order, making it more like God wants it to be. That's how he saw himself. It's amazing. Yeah, and he's in heaven right now. Absolutely. You know how many kings of France are in heaven right now that we know of? One. Him. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many presidents that we know of are in heaven right now? God willing, <laughs> all the dead ones. <laughs> yes. But
1: yeah, I. I really hope that George Bush is up there, you know, yeah, George, just, w you know. Yeah.
2: George W. Bush. Yeah. George W. Bush is still alive.
1: Oh, no. I I have to call the post office. We got- <laughs> I've, I've mailed I've mailed some things that I should probably go and get back.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that's like I, I, I mentioned some other problems I have with CRT. I want to go double check. But what are your thoughts on what I just said?
1: I think you're right on it, and I think it rhymes with everything that we've said about progressivism and liberalism over the years. I think truth is the ultimate arbiter of whether or not something is good and helpful. Uh, And the most fundamental truth that we miss in America, especially the Western world is, and this is what we were talking about earlier is what is a human being? And when we don't know what a human being is, then it's really hard to establish. I was listening to the Christopher West, Matt Frad interview it was like three hours long. Listen to it over the span of a couple of weeks. It's so good. But he says this thing in it and they're talking about gender and those kinds of things. Obviously, so that's that's Christopher West's whole bag. Whole thing, um, yeah, yeah. He's talking about what it's really hard to develop ethics when you don't have a good anthropology. And I think that's a really good way of looking at it because we can't talk about how different races should interact if we don't even really know what a human being is, because if all a human being is is just a collection of atoms and cells smashed together that kind of resulted from an ape that really likes to have sex and eat food, then like that Wait, does the then, ape
2: like to, or do we like to?
1: I'm just kidding. Uh, Go on.
2: You're sending unclear. Yes, us on <laughs> yes <laughs> <Sorry>. both. <laughs> uh,
1: then we have no way of making any kind of coherent virtue statements about what is good about this creature and what is bad about this creature what mm-hmm. is good for this creature to do what is bad for this creature to do because if all we are this is we know this if all we are is just material stuff and all we're going to be one day is material stuff then then it, there's really no there really is no way to develop good and bad morality. There's no way to develop. It's good to treat this person this way. It's bad to treat this person this way. You really can't have any idea of even this is how different races should interact with each other. This is how different people of different power structures should interact with each other. If you fundamentally believe that we are, all we are is material, you know, like you have to believe that something greater than the material exists. If you even want to say that we, we ought to treat people this way Mm -hmm. because if we, if we ought to do anything, then that means there's something beyond the the yeah. natural. Um, and that's just like – and so I think that is a – for the people out there who are like, I don't even know how to have this conversation, I don't know if it's maybe prudent or practical because you might not feel equipped or that might not be how the conversation goes. But even just saying like, let's take this down a level from talking about how races interact with each other and let's talk about what it means to be human and what it means for a human to flourish. And if yeah. that, if we can have that conversation and then th- this is the problem, this is why everyone, everyone over here, who's yelling at their school boards and everyone over here who's upset on Twitter, <laughs> um, is, is this why these people are never going to agree with each other is because the truth is, is somewhere in the middle. I don't know exactly where it is, Yeah, but it's, n- the answer is not every institution is rooted in a, f- a fundamental misunderstanding of the white race being superior to other races. Like that's not that, that's not the answer. There's certainly institutions that are systemically racist. Yes. For instance, certainly. people
2: make fun of critical race theory, res- the results of critical race theory, by saying things like, oh, now these people think that the freeways are racist. Um, mm-hmm. How can highways? Did I, tell- did I mention this in the podcast? You did, yeah, you talked yeah. about the highways being racist. Yeah, yeah and it's like, no, we, we need to understand that. And this is one of Kendi's points is that like mm-hmm. uh, racist policy creates racist ideas, not the other way around. Yeah, and that's one of the problems that we're we're having and I wish people would listen to him when he talks about this because I think it's just he's just very calm in his way of, of approaching this. Um, he's like racist policies create racist ideas racist policies like redlining and like, you know, school districting and like the prison the school to prison pipeline like those policies create the racist ideas of oh black children are more likely to act up like those policies when people see them in action. They go, Mm -hmm. oh, I need to be more careful with my minority students because they're more likely to act up. And that's a racist idea. That person didn't create that idea themselves. They created it because their environment conditioned them to see it that way. And it's like CRT's narrow focus allows it to uncover realities that we may not have uncovered otherwise.
1: Which is good. Which is good. Things that are in the darkness need to be brought to the light. That's just a fact. And if you disagree with that because of your political hangups, you need to repent. Mm-hmm. And believe in the gospel because yes. Jesus is all about uh, justice and truth and light. And if there are things that are hidden uh, and there are things that we can, we can use this tool, this way of thinking to help us bring about greater justice, greater, greater charity, greater, uh, greater order. Like if we're, if we're trying to make our society more like that of uh, what it will be like, you know, in the new heaven and the new earth and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. then we need to understand each other because no one's going to misunderstand each other in heaven. No one's going to miss, yeah. no one's going to, no one's going to be like, not you on the mean same page. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to work towards that now because that's going to help more people eventually reach heaven. Um, but if we insist on division mm-hmm. and we're not going to accept anything that the other party believes, we're not going to accept anything that even smells like liberal ideas, then we're not going to get anywhere. Like the, the goal is not to win, the goal is for souls to go to heaven. The yeah. goal is for yeah. for the for Jesus to reign supreme in the heart of every man, woman, and child from every tribe, every nation on earth. And yeah. we can't do that if we're if we're constantly locked in the every every white power structure is oppressive or in the every liberal is trying to take away my way of life kind of thing. You know, like we can't we cannot live in this. We have to live in a different way. And that's yeah. what the church provides. Yeah. And the church's thought has always provided, I think.
2: And post-liberalism is not seeking to tear down structures and rebuild. That's critical fear. Yes. Okay. Post-liberalism yes. is seeking to build on structures that have existed. Yes. Right. To build on the realities that people are willing to talk about. To build. Mm-hmm. To build from liberalism into the new... Into the thing that needs to happen, like into the into the new um, the new West, or like the new civilization, right? Like the way that we think about hermeneut, like the way that we look at the world. Um, the two problems that I have with critical theory in general and critical race theory specifically. Um, never mind. Let me talk about one more positive, and then I'll do my two negatives. The two big takeaway negatives. Perfect. Um, Kendi's breakdown. I mentioned this in the Facebook post. Uh, segregationist, assimilationist, anti-racist. His his history. Of racism in America chronicles these three groups, and the the segregationist idea is what we traditionally think of as racist. I think that X group is inferior to X group, right? And this could go either way. Like that's a segregationist idea. Ass- assimilationist is a more common, but less less noticeable racist mm-hmm. idea. Whereas if only this group of people were more blank yeah. then they would be fine. Um, he uses the example of something called quote unquote uplift suasion where like uh, it's it's this idea that like oh every black person is responsible to for uh, for you know making sure that people don't view black people poorly so like you need to be on your best behavior in public so that people don't think that black people are all like that but like that's an assimilationist attitude. I was like no, it's ra- it's it's anti. What should what is true of anti racism is like when you see a black child acting up in public, you should be like, "That kid's acting up. It's not because he's a black kid, <laughs> you know." Just it's just a kid. Yeah, it's just what they do. And I, I'm, I'm I'm. Can you explain I am, something to me?
1: I'm I'm thinking of. <laughs> I was trying to be serious. This is the episode of iCarly where Tebow pretends to act like a white man so he can date Freddie's mom? <laughs> iCarly was promoting assimilationist views back in 2011. Wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> ICarly Shock. I'm, shocked. I'm shocked. I for one am shocked that any Nickelodeon show directed by Dan Schneider would have weird references to black people acting like white people and also a lot of jokes about Jewish people. Anyway Ooh, ooh interesting. There's a there's a lot of jokes about if you ever re Drake and Josh, like oh, a ton of jokes about Jewish people. Oh yeah, there's that crazy. time
2: where they dressed up like Hasidic Jews.
1: Yes. And they said well, Pip Pip Pidoodly Doo.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's pretty. I don't know what that means, but but it sounds pretty. It's it's
1: it, it's not Yiddish.
2: I'll tell you <laughs> it's Yiddish. It's not Yiddish. It's uh okay. <laughs> oh wait, Yid is a derogatory term for <laughs> Jewish people. Yeah, we got to figure this out. We're yeah, really we don't we're, know what we're, we're doing this whole podcast
1: is walking in landmines.
2: Yeah, it's true. I I think I do think that one of the one of the best. This is not something that that Candy brings up, but this is something that Igioma Oluo brings up. Again, hopefully I said her name correctly. Um, she brings up, it's called So You Want to Talk About Race. And she she talks about how like it's important for everyone to talk and discuss racial justice. Because you can't just wait until... I jokingly said we may need a guest. Then you pointed out thinking that we need a guest. <laughs>
1: I said on the Facebook group, I said, thinking we need a guest to talk about critical race theory is critical race theory, because it's just admitting (laughs) that podcasts are a white power structure that needs to be deconstructed and then built back up (laughs) so that then we can, it literally, like, it's a joke, but also it's kind of true, you know, like, we should be, we should feel comfortable talking about this because we're, I mean, I I don't think you need to have a, a certain pedigree in order to figure out, uh, Ways that we can better approach society and yeah. culture in all aspects, including that of race. Like I don't, really don't think you need a degree yeah. or a certain number of friends, you know that are that are this color or that color. Like yeah. people just need to be, be willing to talk about it and be willing to be wrong, yeah. and then be willing to be corrected.
2: Yeah, like if we were like if we were like to like go find go like reach out to one of our black friends, that would be tokenism. You know, <laughs> like that's <exactly>. not good. <laughs> yes, it's just it's just the opposite problem. Any um, any Catholic podcast yeah. that has
1: that one a black artist that goes on podcasts just to talk about race. They're doing it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it happens a lot and it's, we don't need to call anybody out specifically, but I just, I always get the like weird vibes when especially Catholics, especially Catholic podcasts, especially Catholic content, they feel the need to loop in this famous person or that famous person so that they can have a conversation about race Mm -hmm.
2: But you can just, it, you can talk about it. You're actually You can talk about it. To. It feels just
1: very disingenuous be like, "Oh, it feels like, hey, look at us. You know, we don't know what we're talking about, but this this person does." This person does
2: because they've experienced person, all of the problems of their race at once. Mm-hmm. This person. Yeah. All of and Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just it's like a I feel like that's just so strange and I don't really
2: It is strange. And it's like love it, that. It, it's um it's one of those like subtler racial ideas, mm-hmm. racist ideas. Also, can you beatbox
1: at our conference, please?
2: Oh gosh, wait, what? <laughs>
1: I feel like that that also happens. That's Bob Lusnetsky. you, you can, He's white. Yeah, you can rap, can you?
2: No, I think that's just no, Bob. I, I think there's,
1: I think there are other people besides Bob that have been asked to rap and beatbox at Catholic. Conferences. Nope, he's the only there. one I can think of. All right, then move okay. on. <laughs>
2: uh, so, anyway, yeah, but like, I, I, I just think like, you know, the five, uh, the five people of color that are, you know, Catholic speakers, uh, they must get tired of, uh, <laughs> of like. Being asked to come on podcasts and explain racist ideas to to white people. White people.
1: (laughs) It's just like, oh, look, another shooting in the news. Let me go check my email to see if Ascension Press has emailed me again. You know, it's like (laughs) that must be exhausting.
2: That must suck. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so tell me, tell me your, tell me your negatives. So
2: my two negatives, like the two big takeaways, like the issues with critical race theory. Is first of all, uh, this more—it's more inherent in critical theory actually than in critical race theory specifically. Critical theory in general. No, problem number one: it is an inherently exclusive, exclusionary uh, hermeneutic lens. It's an ex- it's exclusively—it's exclusive. Like like it it does not want to coexist with any other school of thought. Mm. If you go to a university that has a psychology philosophy department that's very critical race theory, critical theory oriented, you can, you're generally only going to find critical theory as the way that they look at the world. Like this is that, this is that cliche of, you know, a gender studies course at a college Mm -hmm. as part Mm -hmm. of their core curriculum, right? Like we were talking about uh, books, like we don't have a canon anymore. We don't have a core, colleges don't have a core curriculum anymore. Every college has a different core curriculum, and some people have to some some students yeah. at to get a degree from this university. You have to go to a um, you know, a, a women's studies course, and it's like that that and and in that 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 is a sign not of a problem necessarily because again you can learn great things from these courses, but the issue is like now you have to look at the world through this lens of this power structure this power imbalance has shaped the world and we have to take down that structure um that's problem number one is that it's very exclusive and that's not that's not coming from me that's coming from cal newport okay cal newport talked about this on his podcast a while back he talked about critical theory and how um how destructive it is to universities especially the humanities departments because they want everything to be through this lens and it's very Mm -hmm. exclusive um Mm -hmm. problem number two is it deconstructs christian christianity (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. It's very bad. You generally because speaking, you know what? You know
1: what Christianity was in the past.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and the past is a problem for critical theory. Yeah. And that's like that's the thing, right? It's like it's a Marxist idea and that doesn't mean that it's communist, but that does mean that Marx influences it and Marx was not gre- uh, he's not he's not great on religion, you know.
1: I wouldn't say that he's a Christian man.
2: He's not a big he's not a big fan. He, he believes religion is the opium of the masses. Uh but yeah. I, I was under the impression that opium is opium of the mass. <laughs> at one point. <laughs> opium was opium. Of the masses. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, that's, that's not. That's necessarily, pretty funny. You know, <laughs> I thought opium. I thought opium was the opium of the, <laughs> the <laughs> masses. You know, people are pretty
2: addicted to drugs in Pennsylvania. You know, that's like that's pretty good. This area of the country I'm in, people aren't turning yeah. to religion because they hate their lives. They're turning to fentanyl. Okay, like yeah. <laughs>
1: gosh nobody nobody's coming up from the white house and being like we've got a religion crisis everybody's turning to religion
2: everybody's going
1: nobody's religious. going to their jobs everybody's applying for welfare because they just pray in church all day we've got a crisis on <laughs> it like, no
2: yeah yeah so marx didn't have the uh he didn't have the the privilege of foresight to see what would happen when people stop praying uh yeah. but here we are um but yeah that's the issue is like it's like Kendi and others along with him, I think they don't take into account the fact that the first non-Jewish convert to Christianity was a black man, an Ethiopian man. A eunuch. A eunuch, in fact. And so it's like, it's like this, this gospel was not, you know, it was not a European thing. Mm -hmm. The only reason it got to Europe was because Rome was in Europe and Rome was the world power in the day. And Christianity Mm -hmm. took over the world power. Like Christianity took over the oppressive world power that was, you know, allowing people to kill their slaves and like kill their wives and like put their babies under bridges so they can die. Christianity took that over. Christianity Mm -hmm. overthrew an oppressive power structure.
1: But not because it was something that, Existed in the past that was inherently bad and needed to be overthrown. Yes. They looked at it and they said, we are going to die over and over and over and over again. We're going to let ourselves be killed by these people. Um, Instead of rising up and committing some kind of revolution, a bloody revolution, they went in to the Colosseum and they made the sign of the cross. And then they got killed by lions or whoever else Mm -hmm. was in there.
2: And it's like uh, it's and it, in, in refusing to view that part of Christianity, like forgetting, accepting mm-hmm. the myth of the the uh, American evangelical, mm-hmm. and saying like a Christianity is a white religion. It's the religion of the West. It's the religion of America, right? Like accepting that and saying, ah, uh, yes, it is old and therefore must be destroyed. I think I think is a mistake. And yeah. the, that's the problem with cr with critical theory in general, because it seeks to undo structures. Mm-hmm. This this power imbalance has shaped our world, so we need to undo this power imbalance. But the thing is, like the patriarchy is a power imbalance. We need to we need to dismantle it, and then it's like things that are good, like the priesthood, get dismantled in the process. Mm-hmm. Things that are good, like fatherhood, get dismantled mm-hmm. in the process,
1: or even. I don't really have a strong opinion on this. I don't know anything, but the desire to to uh get rid of the police because <laughs> it's a cause it's an institution. Yeah. I for one enjoy the police. Like I I feel like that's a good thing, you know, to yeah. have some kind of police, right? Yeah. It's crazy that that's a controversial thing to say, but that's what that's how deeply embedded this idea is is that even uh, suggesting that there is an institution that ought to be kept around is is dangerous
2: and like i i think i think there are definitely nuanced conversations to have about like how are police i don't want to talk about the
1: police i don't want to talk about the police i think they're i think they're good but also they're bad no but yeah. I, think,
2: I think i think you bring up a good point about like the this conversation in general is a conversation that needs to be had do we yeah. need to be um do the police need to be called for everything right you know
1: no no. no, no. They you don't.
2: call nine one one, and they figure out what you need. Oh, your house is yeah. on fire. We call the fire department. Great. Oh,
1: you, we gonna, you broke your leg. We're going to defund the fire department. They're an institution.
2: My 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 point is my point is like, why doesn't nine one one have more than three brand three phones to call? You know what I mean? Like why why yeah. can't they like Hey, uh, this this person is having a panic attack, and they need to go to the hospital. Who do you think they should call? I don't know. Do you want to know the answer? Yes. Do you want to know who gets called? The police. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why? I don't know.
2: That's that's the point. Like that's the conversation. Yes, like a, a friend a of mine point. when I, I was an RA in college, and I had a resident who had a panic attack, and they needed to get admitted to the hospital, and so the police came. <laughs> Why? And you know who the you know what a policeman does? He walks in with his sunglasses, and he's bald because you know that's what they're, yeah. they're, they look gigantic because they're wearing a freaking Kevlar vest. Yeah, to, and and they're walking, and they're like, "Come on, like get in the back of this car, yeah, in front of all of your friends, and drive yeah. to the hospital with us." It's like, yeah, what are you? And these and these and these officers don't have mental health training because they're no. supposed to you know protect people from violent criminals. You know that's the point, right? And so yeah. it's like. That's I think that's the discussion that needs to be had. Not- we need to
1: have we need to have different police. We need to have car police that go to car school. We need to have gun police that go to gun school. We need to have like talking police that go to talking school. And that's that should be like the main jobs of police. It's like let's de escalate like domestic situations, let me solve violent situations, and let me solve vehicular situations. Yes. And I think those are the only situations that they really need to be involved yep. in. But we shouldn't just have like one guy that goes to one school and they do some push-ups, and then he's and now now handle all three he does of them. All you know of what I mean? Things. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I think there should be four options when you call nine one one. You should be able to call ambulance, fire department, police, or Ghostbusters. There should be the <laughs> only four things that you should be able to call. Anything else than that is just it's extreme, but yeah, because imagine like the list be like nine one one. What is your emergency? If you have a fire, press one. If you have a health emergency, press two. If you need the police, press three. If you have a ghost emergency, press four. <laughs> if you need child protective services, press five. If you need tax evasion laws, press six. Like there's just I mean, there's at some point if you have an economic emergency. Like, if you need the courthouse, call seven. And I think like, I it think just goes on. This and on, goes into but,
2: this goes this. You bring that up goes back into what I was saying earlier about like the, my first problem is like the exclusionary, not just in academic yeah. circles but also in Twitter. Um, is like if you if you disagree with someone who's very gung ho on CRT or or critical theory in general, yeah, you are a part of the problem. Quote unquote. Oh, you're a that's part of a very of the power handy yeah. a
1: very handy way to deal with it.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, you're part of the problem. So I need to take care like then what? You need to take care of them, right? You need to like destroy them. Um Right.
1: Can you- Jesus never looked at someone and said, "You're part of the problem." You know, like Don't he said do that. <laughs> Yeah. Like there was he looked at people and he loved them and he saw how good they were and then he said like, "Do you want to be healed?" Right? And then it's all it always goes back to original sin. And the way that original sin works its way out in our broken humanity, you know, like a person is not inherently part of the problem because of who they are. Yes. Ever, 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 ever. ever, ever. That is, that is never how Jesus doesn't look at the blind man. That's the question. I've been praying with the blind man all week, John nine. And the disciples are like, who sinned this man or his parents? What does that question mean? It's like, what's, what's wrong with this guy? Did like he do something wrong to deserve mm-hmm. to live a life full of sin and disgrace or did his, like his ancestors is like, is this a result of someone in the past who did something wrong to make him inherently bad? And Jesus was like, Nope, nobody sin. It's neither this man nor his parents, but that the works of God may be made evident in his life. Mm-hmm. They may be made manifest in him. Like that's, that's why he's broken so that I can fix him. And viewing anything in terms of anything else other than like, we are broken and we need the grace of God in order to be healed. That's, that's it. You know, like that, that's my problem. That's Ethan's critique of critical theory is that it tells, it says that there are people that are inherently bad because of who they are. And And Kenny doesn't do that. That's, that's one of my, that's that's one
2: of my things is that like he, he's very much on the, on, on the, in the mindset of like, um, you can hold, you shouldn't hold racist ideas, but like people hold racist ideas and they should recognize them and they should change them. Yes. Work to change them. Um, but if someone holds a racist idea, that doesn't mean they're too far gone. Like every single person that he mentions in the five people that he mentioned, he has like five, there's five parts of his book stamped. Every single person has good sides and bad sides. W E D W E B Bois was a, um, he was a black activist and he held racist ideas, according to Kendi. Um, who else was it I forget who else was it. he's like Thomas Jefferson obviously held anti-racist and racist ideas and assimilationist ideas right like he he doesn't no one is on the right side or wrong side of history for Kendi mm-hmm. and that that's mm-hmm. something that's one of the reasons why I think he's he's very good to listen. but that's the thing is like we're so reactionary nowadays that like the thing is critical theory and um right-wing general politics they're both very exclusive like yeah. Right wing, left wing are very exclusionary. Are very exclusionary at this point, where it's like you can't even kind of dabble
1: mm-hmm.
2: in the other. It's like witchcraft. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do you want to hit up Doctor Ethan's dating corner?
1: Yes, it has to be a quick, it has to be a quick quick super one. quick one. Okay,
2: quicken. I know it hurts. I'm sorry, on not, I, I i
1: All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. <laughs> it's called communication, baby.
2: <laughs> all right. Send in
1: your dating questions to the form that's going to be in the description yes. of this.
2: Welcome to Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner, sponsored by Catholic Match. To submit a Doctor Ethan's Dating Corner, make sure to follow at Catholic Match on Instagram. Woo! It's a good thing. Um, all right, we got we got Catherine up in here. We got Catherine. All right, I am hey, a strong-willed, Catherine. Type A woman who is normally pursued by very type B men. (laughs) I struggle with not feeling pursued and not knowing his attraction level or intentions because of the personality difference and with waiting for him to make the moves I desire him to make. For background information, I am a 25-year-old woman completing a PhD in biochemistry. Hot diggity dang. (laughs) Nice. You're 25 to completing your PhD? Goodness. In biochemistry? That's the hardest kind. I have a general dating question for you guys. Yes. I'm type A, I take charge, et cetera. I find a big snag when it comes to dating. I tend to attract guys that are more phlegmatic, laid back, slow to make decisions about things like moving from messaging to dating. Um, the last guy I did, it took three weeks after starting to message me on Catholic Match before we moved to a phone call. And that only happened because I finally asked if we could. <laughs> We ended up dating for five months, but even in our relationship, I struggled with feeling pursued. I know that for me personally, I need to feel initiative on the man's side to have security in his intentions, but I also know that I am well balanced by a man who is naturally more relaxed than I am. How can I better recognize a man's intentions when he's communicating with me, but is being more subtle than I would prefer? Are there some mm. cues in a guy's behavior that indicates traction and interest, even when he won't come out and say it? And how long do I wait for him to make a move? Basically, the guys I, that I attract and go on dates with are very understated and it's hard for me to get a sense of them and experience pursuit because from them because of that. I don't want to have to straight up tell every guy I date that he needs to tell me he's attracted to me, but I feel a little bit at a loss for how I can recognize and receive a man's interest when it's not as obvious as I would want or expect. Any help or advice would be greatly appreciated.
1: Hi, my name's Catherine, and I attract the average American Catholic male. What do I do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Phlegmatic I think, betas.
1: I well, I think that there. I I have this answer has two parts. The first part is, I think that in general, men just need to step it up and be more brave. And a lot of guys are not brave, and they're really scared, and so they they play it as safe as they can for as long as they can because they don't want to be rejected because. Uh, then it wouldn't feel good like it does when they watch pornography.
2: Oh god. so even, it's not always because of that. <laughs> it Patrick, like
1: 90% of guys are addicted. Like this is it is the problem, oh, you come know. Come
2: on, I don't like talking about that.
1: <laughs> I I know, but I'm just saying like that's probably hey, hey, has way more do to do with, with it. Hey, do us a huge favor
2: and stop watching porn so I don't have to hear can about it. Can everybody can
1: we just delete the porn? Um st- I think that is one element of we like guys, really guys clear legitimately up space on the internet. Guys, legitimately not feeling like they can be brave because they're they're just scared of rejection. Regardless, type A, type B doesn't matter. Which plays into the second point, which is that when you're dating someone, personality is not really the defining factor of whether or not you guys are a good fit. Um, I I I think because I I thought I was type A, but then I started dating mom.
2: Then <laughs> you start dating a nurse, yeah.
1: And then and now I know that I'm not a type A person.
2: <laughs> I'm a type but E that, for
1: Ethan. <laughs> I'm type E for Ethan. But it's not bad. Like Emma and I just think about things very, very differently. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, but, but on the same token, I'm way more extroverted than she is. And I rely a lot more heavily on interaction with other people in order to feel like myself. Mm. And I will talk to strangers no problem. Uh, and she's not that way. So like, it's, but it's, it's not a clear cut, you know, type A people are like this and type B people are like this. Yeah, she and Phoebe would it, definitely be friends. If we're- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, yes, there is an element of people who are different than you are going to draw things out of you. Uh, and and that definitely happens in our case. But there are things about Emma and I that are similar. Like she, if she was pursued by a guy who was, who was like the kind of guy that you're talking about, she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm uninterested in this. Get out of here. You know? <laughs> um, and she probably, if you asked her like, would you rather date a guy who's clean or would you rather date a guy who sometimes has a mess? She'd be like the clean guy, but yet here we are, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I don't think the, sometimes the personality judgments can be a bit superficial. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you are superficial, Catherine, because clearly You've thought about this very deeply, but to round it all out if a guy is not pursuing you and he's not making his intentions clear and he's not really like trying to ask you out and trying to date you and trying to help you become a saint then it it might be that he likes you it might be that he doesn't like you it might just be because he doesn't know how to do it Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's that related to personality that's my take what do you think
2: yeah, I I honestly don't know what to say because like the only thing I'm thinking of is like I wish I could just take this guy and be like hey 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 buddy 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 just 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 freaking ask her out okay it's not a big deal
1: you just gotta ask her out dude
2: just just ask her out man just like just do it it's not a big deal it's not a huge step just like I don't understand I I don't understand I was like this when I was in high school not when I was in college yeah. I mean maybe my life circumstances made it so that I was not that way in college but here's what you gotta do what's that.
1: You got to, I think just, I'm standing up to podcast.
2: Oh, you're at, you're like, you're this. I'm stretching
1: my legs. I've been sitting, I, before this, I took a two hour real estate exam. And so I've just been, I've been sitting. Did you pass? I did pass. How many
2: days. kinds of houses are there? Quick pop quiz. Three. <laughs> Correct.
1: O- occupied, unoccupied and demolished. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the. I think when you're on a website like Catholic Match, you really just have to start out because the internet is just a different kind of place. You can't read another person in the same way. Yeah. So I think you just got to start out and say, hey, I would love to get to know you over text. But if you want to ask me out, you got to do it within two weeks. Um, Or if you want to move to a phone call, you got to do it within two weeks because I just I'm at a phase of my life where I don't have time to message boys for weeks at a time. You know what I mean? Definitely. And I think you're perfectly within your rights to start out that way and just say, hey, love to get to know you. Would, I'm happy to take it at whatever pace you want to take it, but this is my expectation. And maybe the you as the woman, especially on a website like that, can make it a bit more clear of what you're expecting. Because when the guys have expectations, a lot of times they'll rise to the occasion; they'll meet it. And if they don't, then you have a pretty clear cut reason to not continue. So yeah, um, that would enough. be like one practical thing that I think you could do. But uh, just trust that, uh, at least in my relationship very different personalities and it works it works pretty well I've never so, been
2: on a dating service but if you put in your bio I like when a guy makes the first move and be like make the first move like just saying that about yourself in an anonymous way he'll he'll think he's found secret information
1: um, <laughs> that's true but then every guy's looking for that secret tip like what do I gotta do and all the, show the show. girls are like all you gotta do is ask and they're like and but but the what do I like, have to what, do? what is that but what does that mean? What do I do? do (laughs) What do I do though? That's
2: not a good answer. (laughs) It's like, that's not a good, I don't like, I didn't like that answer. So I, I pretend I do not see it.
1: Thank you for submitting a question. Uh, I hope this was helpful. Hope this is a good podcast for everyone. I have a lot on my mind. And so I'm eager for the day, maybe like four or five weeks from now when we can have a relaxed podcast and maybe it'll be fun. Yeah. This is good, though. You had good thoughts today. Thank you. I appreciate
2: I it. I am also going through a big life transition soon, so hopefully <laughs> yeah. hopefully, I do get some uh, content out your way.
1: BibleCast is coming, baby.
2: BibleCast is coming. Uh,
1: Facebook.com slash group slash The Crunchcast if you want to be a part of the most poppin' Catholic uh, Facebook podcast group in the world. Of all time. Of all time, mm-hmm. there it is. Patreon.com slash The Crunch if you want to support us. I'm really sorry about the thing I said earlier about the bathroom and then the hotel. Like, I don't I don't really know what was going on. It's been a long week. <laughs> um, I thought it was funny, though, so I'm going to leave it in. Uh, Patrick, do you have anything else for the people?
2: Um, my least favorite thing about critical theory is talking about how Jesus is a socialist. He couldn't have been a socialist because socialism did not exist. <laughs> 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 There was no state to seize the means of production because neither of those things were concepts back then. What do you think? There was like Caesar was going to come in and be like, hey, St. Joseph's workbench. I own that now. That's mine. It's not cute. Stop posting it on Instagram.
0: All right, we're done. Pretty good.
1: Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you and we'll see you all next week.